I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going team by team. I will be very careful by slinging stuff. Am I going to get sued? Are we going legal on this? I like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube Thursday morning. Happy opening day, Sam. Mm-hmm. It's opening day. It is. For baseball. Yeah. It's a great day. We're live. Day. And even greater, we found Chris Sims. Found him. We did. We got Chris Sims, and we got him coming on the show. So go tell your friends. Yeah. PFF NFL Podcast, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. The, uh, the crossover show people have been asking for. The people have been asking. We've been asking for it. We have been. More importantly, yeah. we've been trying to get this for ages. And Chris answered. Yeah, Chris comes on, gets to talk about his uh, rankings with us. This is fun. It's, it's, very, it's very fun because Chris, as we've, uh, we've mentioned a lot here, we reference his rankings because they're different. Yeah. And we appreciate that they're different. And he sees the game through his lens, different from our lens, and we get to discuss that. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we get to debate some of his rankings versus some of ours, talk through certain players, why he's lower or higher on them than we are, um, and you know, put some nuance and actual reasoning behind this, not just the, the Twitter world of here comes some rankings, oh, those are crazy, you idiot, and move on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this, is, this is how it's supposed to work. You know I hate that. You know I detest that, <laughs> right? People giving their, their hot takes on – rankings or quotes that are out of context yeah. you know, i can't stand that so this is great that we get to right. uh, and, discuss you know, i think you can still come to a reasonable conclusion at the end of all that that the rankings either way his or ours are still crazy oh we could still disagree right agree, but at least you whatever. hear the yeah. reasoning for it you know you've got to respect the work or the process that goes into it rather than just madness you know like that's getting to hear the explanation behind rankings i think is important rather than just here's the list so before we get to uh, to Chris, uh, you wanted to oh news breaking you news get some news here breaking yesterday but breaking news uh, CNN has this or had this yesterday a uh, baseball so you know team and somebody sent this to me damn it who was it an email or was it a Twitter I forget who actually sent us to this so apologies to the person I'm forgetting but CNN led with a headline this baseball team chose an exploding whale as its new identity. The Eugene Emeralds, the former Eugene Emeralds, will rebrand and become the Eugene Exploding Whales. And as listeners of this podcast will know, if you've been listening for long enough, the Exploding Whale was an analogy used to describe a, you know, once formerly great team dying on its ass who has just one last victory in it, i.e. the explosion of the noxious fumes built up in an exploding whale on a beach, as happened in Eugene, Oregon, whenever the hell that was, back in the days of standard definition and grainy TV footage. But the Eugene Emeralds are now the Eugene Exploding Whales, who sell merchandise. I must buy a T-shirt with that uh, whale clutching the dynamite stick in its hand. I've also already reached out to see if I can throw out the first pitch somewhere. You yes. know, It feels so, like that should happen. Absolutely it should happen. And the Eugene Emeralds need to know that you are an exploding well expert. That should mm-hmm. essentially be the mascot for us here in the PFF NFL podcast. Yeah. So um, if you could find Sam's tweet at PFF underscore Sam, go, uh, go like the tweet and, and respond. 
Yes. And say, look, we need to get Sam. We have to work hard to get Sam to throw out the first pitch. Because not only have we learned that Sam could throw 60 miles an hour and not right. embarrass himself exactly. as the first pitch thrower, but this is your baby. This is your analogy that you bring mm-hmm. to the table once a season, and this needs to happen. Somebody has already tagged the Eugene Emeralds, formerly Emeralds, broadcasting social media manager. So, you know, maybe there's an avenue for me to throw out the first pitch. Also, it feels like the natural step from throwing 60 miles an hour, from throwing relatively accurately at the person at the other end of the thing, is to graduate from, was that the bullpen we were in? Yeah, the bullpen. To graduate from the bullpen to crowd, to see if oh, the not, pressure of a stadium environment changes You're not things. ready for this. It's really tough. One of the <laughs> toughest things about pitching is when you feel one way in the bullpen and yeah. you get to the game and everything's different. See, My pitches feel different. The mound feels different. The, the adrenaline of the crowd is different. I don't think you can handle it. See, I still feel like it can't be that hard. Oh, of course. You, oh, baseball's easy. Piece of cake. Yeah. I'm going to opening day today, by the I mean, way. I'm look, going, going, to, going to watch the Reds today. I, I have, a, I have a, a broader respect for throwing, say, 90 miles an hour. I feel like that is quite hard. Thanks. But I still feel like hitting the guy with the mitt at the end of the 60-foot... 60-foot? 60-foot, 6 inches. Okay. The end of the 60-foot thing is pretty easy. Certainly to the degree of, you know, I think I can get it in his general vicinity as opposed to, like, 50 Cent putting it in the stands over there, Conor McGregor throwing... Like, that... I, I can't possibly be that bad. I, I, well, we need to make this happen. So if we can get our listeners and uh, viewers to make this happen. Yes. I did look them up. They are a Giants high A affiliate. I don't know how they restructured high A. Well, it used to just be the Cal League. You um, must have an M. I an looked M. at the coaching staff. One of There's definitely a former teammate of mine. Well, there you go. Who um, I just remember his name. Don't know anything else about him. That's all you need. He was a catcher. I almost certainly threw a bullpen to him at one point <laughs> in the three years that we were in spring training together. Um, so I've got some connections there. But as a former San Francisco Giants legend, I feel like we should be able to to pull this off. So I'm going to see if we can. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you. I mean, can. this is maybe the first and only time your actual long and glorious baseball career can help us out here. All right. Well, this is why the people tuned in so they could hear about the exploding whale. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocco in the chat asks if Sims is live or in the can. The can being like the pre- technical the uh, the TV term here. Oh, I see. Rather the than the jacks over there. Yeah. The yeah. Right. Uh, it's in the can. We we did it. We already recorded it. So yeah. uh, full disclosure, we don't lie here. No, we don't lie. No. We're gonna finish the podcast with uh, <laughs> with Chris Sims, and uh, and that's just gonna end. Podcast. We're not gonna come back. No, we're just gonna leave. It's just gonna end. Yeah. Um, before we get to him, though, the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com PFF. So yeah, as we head to the draft, we're very excited to do more of these interviews so you're not just hearing our takes over and over again, we get to have actual draft discussion. So we got Sims today, uh, Jim Nagy coming up soon, Dane Brugler coming up soon mm. over the next few weeks. So really excited to just, just get some uh, some fresh thoughts on the draft here. You just violated the golden rule of interviews, which is you can't ever say the name before it's like locked in. Because now those something will happen. You they know? agreed. They I know. agreed to do the show. They we always, don't have a date Everybody in time. always agrees, and then something happens. Things come up. People get busy, and all of a sudden, it doesn't happen. You end up looking like an idiot. Like at the at the uh, at the last second, Chris and I, we 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 made it happen via DM. Right. You know, we we pulled it together. Like so. I mean, I'm I've been promising the guy who I haven't even named, sending his rugby videos for 
an extended period of time and the man's just gone dark after winning the Six Nations. That's because they won. You just have to drop that in there. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. The Six Nations. Uh-huh. It's good. It's Grand Slam. Wow. Fourth time ever. That's amazing. You must be on, on cloud nine. It's, it's great now, but the World Cup is looming and that's the big, that's the big prize. That's when you always choke. Yeah, exactly. Great. So i got to get past the quarterfinals. All right. Do you have anything else to say before we leave? I'm no. going to the Reds game. I'm out of here. No. Go okay. to parade. We got a parade downtown. They celebrate opening day here in Cincinnati. Yeah. That's decent enough weather. Does anybody want to hear my Sergio Romo story? Oh, God, no. Definitely not. I my mean, former teammate just retired the other night. They had a big ceremony, pulled yeah. him off the mound, big ovation in San Francisco. Yeah. You could tell it, but you could shorten it a lot from, from you know, your, your previous effort. Okay, so basically Romo and I, we were, we were in the bullpen back in 08, double A, batting practice. I decided to go after a fly ball for the one time in yeah. like two weeks. I'm running. He calls for it. He says, I got it, I got it. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I just ran him over. He's a little guy. Ran him over. Knee injury. Sergio Romo injured for about four weeks. He just trampled him. And like he was moose. tearing it up. He was on his way to the big leagues. Yeah. I probably cost him a major league check for about a month. You just trampled over him like, trampled a, him. like a moose. He's very mad at me. He was mad at me then. He's probably mad at me now. Yeah. And um, I got called up to AAA ahead of him after that. <laughs> so I'm the first player to go to AAA after I took out our closer. You Wally pipped him, except you actually kind were the, of. You were the reason he got injured in the first place. Except when I got to AAA, I got injured, and he went straight to the big leagues. He didn't even go to AAA. Yeah. went to the big leagues. He was there from 2008 to 2022, and boom, just retired the other day. It was, uh, what's the dude's name that Wally pipped? Wally pipped? It was Lou, Lou Gehrig. Yeah, yeah. So you well, were, Lou Gehrig got, you know, Wally. You, Lou Gehrig got Wally pipped. Wally Pip got Lou Gehrig, really. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So you were Lou Gehrig, except you actually went and injured Wally Pip. Yeah, and then uh, and then when I had my opportunity to like be Lou Gehrig, right? Then you just weren't Lou Gehrig. I sucked. Yeah, and uh, got hurt. Right. And then Romo went to San Francisco, which yeah. was inevitable anyway. He was awesome. Right. Yeah. Through eighty-eight. I mean, that's the downside of the. That's the you know why not everybody gets to be Lou Gehrig. You actually have to have the Lou Gehrig. Oh, you got to be good. Right. You got to be good. It was never good. Never good enough. <laughs> it was good enough to get to AAA, though. So, anyway. It was never good. Congrats to Sergio <laughs> Romo on, a, on an outstanding Major League career. Three rings with the Giants. And for recovering from being trampled. And by recovering Steve. from the knee injury. Yeah. Oh, he's still probably mad. I've never been trampled by you, but it doesn't look fun. I tweeted at him a couple of years ago about that, and he laughed. So, I think he's over it. Okay. I think we're good now. I mean, once you have a certain level of money, you can probably get over quite a lot. Oh, yeah. I think he's probably okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's had a lot of better teammates than me since then and everything. So, Anyway, all right, let's do it. We're going to talk some football now, quarterbacks and receivers, right now with Chris Sims. All right, we are thrilled to have Chris Sims join us on the PFF NFL podcast. Chris, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Steve, Sam. I appreciate it. You know, I respect a lot of what you guys do. You know, I really do. You guys do a great job. I'm sure you probably only hear about when I go, how could they do that or how could they say that? But uh, I do have great respect for, for what you guys do. And it's cool to be, you know, a part of this. So thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Well, yes, we, we appreciate having you. And we're not going to lie. We mention your name a lot, too. It's like Sims came out with his rankings again. And let's sure you know, let's yeah. discuss it. And we And we have a lot of crossover fans, I believe. There's a lot of people who say, you should get Chris on the show to discuss things. There's others that say no. We don't want Chris because you know how that goes. But <laughs> yeah. um, no, we've been. I'm sure. Yeah, we've been wanting to ask you about your quarterbacks and receivers through the years and everything. So uh, pretty excited to do this. So, so let's start with QBs. Um, yeah. You your rankings always differ 
from the consensus. I wanted to start with your process and just what, you, what you're looking for and uh, how you go about looking at these draft quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, and, and my process, I'm always trying to tinker with it, you know, and, and do that. Um, and, uh, you know, even last year, I wasn't thrilled with my process. And I felt like that maybe led to some some underwhelming year of quarterback rankings, right? But the, my, my big thing, I think, at a base level is, hey, I'm, I'm big into, yeah, just, you know, talent, traits, elite traits, things like that. That's the first place I jump off from, right? So that's where I go. And then I... As you go through, you start to watch film and go, oh, okay, hey, decision-making. How is he in that department? How's his feel for the game overall? Okay. Oh, wait, he's got a great strong arm, but is there versatility in it? Does he have some other clubs in the bag, right? Does he do that? You know, then, you, you know, okay, there is versatility. Is there versatility in releases? All right, certainly some of that. And then I'm big into, you know, within the decision-making, you know, did you take advantage of all that was there to be had, right? You know, I know I, I was on teams, and, and we all do this, where, you know, you grade a quarterback, and you go, oh, okay, he got a four-yard completion. That's a positive. But as so many times, and this happened to me as later in my in my career, where, hey, yeah, you give it a positive grade, but, hey, there was a 20-yard in-cut open. And you I know you got the four-yard completion, but we had a chance for 35 down the middle here, and you let that go by the, by the wayside. So I'm big into taking advantage of all that's there to be had. And then um, when there's nothing there to be had, what do you do then? And that's also another little, you know, added incentive that I try to look at. And then, of course, you then build in, hey, what's around them? Who are they playing? You know, what's the advantages they have because of who's around them and who's coaching them? And you try to do your best to kind of formulate all of that and put it together from there. It's interesting that you, you said sort of right off the bat that, you know, you're big into traits. And, and that's something I think that you can notice from looking at your quarterback rankings down the years. And we were sort of talking the last couple of days about almost discovering that we have a type, right? Whether it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, right. whatever it is, you yeah. suddenly start yeah. realizing that you're, you're drawn to all the same kind of guys. For quarterbacks in particular, do you sort of look at the way the league has gone recently? There was a bunch of these sort of traits, toolsy type guys work out almost consecutively. And then, you know, maybe the last couple of years it started to go back in the other direction. But like with that sort of ebb and flow of traits and things, does that kind of make you think about that year after year? Or do you just sort of, this is the kind of guys I like and sometimes they're going to work, sometimes they're not? Well, I think a little bit of both there. I, I mean, you're spot on, Sam. I mean, you really are. And and you know, I but I try not to go wait, right? Like, let's say Joe Bar Joe Joe Burrow. When he was coming out, I wasn't like, oh, this is the fastest guy ever. This is the greatest arm ever, right? I wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's lasers all over the field. But I just went, damn, it's just the decision making and all of it together right. is perfect there. You know, so uh, uh, that was a year where maybe, you know, Justin Herbert had the strongest arm. And, you know, I think most people would have gone, well, I'm shocked Sims didn't make him the number one quarterback. All right, well, you know, there, there's a point there where I go, hey, it's a strong arm or he's really fast. But, you know, holy crap, he can't play the freaking game. So what's the point <laughs> of even having the, the strong arm or the great legs? But, like, always evaluate that. And I do think that, you know, there's times where, hey, playing the game, decision-making, Quickness of the release, yeah, maybe is something that I got to, hey, these guys are showing that their ability to get better as a passer is more of a thing now than maybe it was 15 years ago. And I think that's adjusted my thinking a little, Sam, to your point. You know, the other problem, too, and I think you're probably, you guys are probably in this, sometimes you can't meet these guys, right? Yeah. 
You can't meet these guys. You don't know what really makes them or what they are as a human being or as a person. And when it's like that at times and you're doing it all off film, then that's where you can get maybe swayed by traits more a little bit more than maybe you should at times. It's interesting. You have, I would say, more access to these guys than we do through, you know, the stuff you do with NBC and stuff. How much does actually meeting these guys in person, talking to them face to face, how much does that go into your rankings? It, well, I know. Like, see, the quarterbacks this year, I didn't get to see any of them. And right. a lot of the years, I haven't been able to. There's been some years where I got to meet them and say hello. And, and that does give you a feel, you know. And I'm not trying to, like, pat myself on the back here. But that is one thing where, you know, my upbringing, being around, you know, Lawrence Taylors of the world and Harry Carson's where I go, well, I know what an outside linebacker is supposed to look like. And I know what a, <laughs> you know. And so that's where the look test, it can be you know, somewhat, uh, there's some stock into that is what I'm saying. You know, I, I can look at the guys and, and meet a few defensive ends, and I'm not going to name names or whatever, but you go and you get done with the combine and you met him and he interviewed him and you go, well, I don't know, that guy, people got this guy rated high, but man, his body would scare me or his demeanor would scare me just right off the bat. So there is some things to get clues there. Uh, I wish I got to see it more. I wish I got to go to pro days more. It probably helped me more, but that's the way it is, and, and so be it, and I do my best with, with what I got. So Sam and I were kind of talking about that when it comes to quarterbacks when we were at the the Super Bowl, right, and we're all there, and it's you know, the massive media room, and uh, right. Carson Palmer walked in one day, and uh, Ryan Leaf is, is running around, and Chris Sims is running around, and it's like, wow, these guys are uh, Boomer Esiason, right? When we first yeah. met Boomer, it's like, dude is way bigger in person than you even realize. Right. Right. And, and it's like, I could understand how an NFL team might just sit down in an interview and be like, that's, yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like, it, for better or for worse, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's going to sway you. Um, which brings me to Bryce Young this year. Yeah, well, it's sort of harder for you, you know, because you're six ten, you're a giant amongst everybody. <laughs> but I know exactly. how you're you know to look down amongst people. Yeah, you know? no, I know. I know. You can you can put yourself in the eyes of the little people. But but for people like me who are normal sized human beings, right, five eleven, like one hundred and eighty pounds, I am looking up again, you know, to all these quarterbacks who are like six three, six four, six five. They're all huge, and then Bryce Young is my size, and like <laughs> right, suddenly right. when you see it next to guys like Carson Palmer and Ryan Leaf and, you know, these prototypical quarterback-sized people, it really does make you go, like, somebody in the NFL is going to look at those two guys side by side and go, no, no, no way. It can't happen. Right, right. No, I, I do. I think there's, 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 you know, I think the league has changed a little bit because of, you know, the quarterback position. Hey, the game can be a little more spread out. The quarterbacks are more protected. So, you know, having that quarterback that's 6'4", 235 is not as important as it once was. You know, but but yeah, I still think there's teams and, and listen, I'm one of these guys too. That I, I'd be scared to have a quarterback that size. I don't know if I could actually pull the trigger on it. I don't know if I could. I'm a little old school in those thoughts. I do put the value in some some of the size things that quarterbacks do, throwing within the pocket and all that. I know there's, you know, some some uh, curveballs or some ones that buck the trend every now and then. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think there are going to be a few teams in football that look at Bryce Young and go, "Man, I like the way he plays, but I just can't." come to terms with ever really putting that guy at the top of my board with those size limitations there. What do you think is the biggest issue with size? Is it the – we? I, I think the, the most overrated thing that we hear is batted passes. It's like that's yeah, not no, the issue, right? Yeah, no, it is. You're exactly right. But, right. but 
what when you see size is it the durability aspect is it the vision aspect what is it about size that you think is the biggest hindrance yeah i think it's the you know durability of course how can that not concern you right but then I think just think purely on the football field, the thing where I see it the most, and even like in a Bryce Young or a Russell Wilson, right, Kyler Murray, all right, I'm going to give you that when the pocket closes in and quarters are close, I see very few big-time awesome throws from those guys at times. Where then I go, then we could take Brady and Herbert and go, I could show you a bunch of throws in every game where they got people hanging on them and at the pockets the same way that I explained for the other guys, and they just, uh, and throw a 20-yard out route or a 15-yard in cut. So that's where, you know, size is a skill. I think sometimes it does get, you know, a little brushed over with the ability to, yeah, throw over the line of scrimmage, see over the line of scrimmage, and then because of your size and your levers and the hands of your, the size of your hands and all that, you don't need as much effort to maybe throw the 20-yard out route as the guy who's 5'10", 185-pound needs to, to make that same throw. So is the size the biggest thing for you that has your rankings this year, having C.J. Stroud number one, Bryce Young in that tier below? I, I mean, I would say it's 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 right there, Sam. With like it's it's the size along with the power throws, and that's where I I really love C.J. Stroud. You know, Stroud's ability just to throw, you know, what I call you know explosive type play throws. The, the again the 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 deep out routes, the deep in cuts, the middle post, you know, down cover two, right down the middle. All of those type of things, I, I'm just enamored with him in that department. You know, I think his movement in the pocket has been a little underrated. He does a great job of sliding, moving, and then with people around him, he is unaffected by it. You know, because of his size and uh, his ability to throw the ball and not needing a whole lot of room to put a lot of power and RPMs on the ball. That's where, you know, I thought he separated himself. And I think, too, not only just college, it's also a little bit of like, wait, I, I think this projects much better than the NFL where I have some questions about Bryce Young, about what I see on film and go, I'm not sure if that's going to work in the NFL and I'm not sure if that would have worked for a lot of places other than at Alabama and maybe it just makes it look a little better. And, you know, I might be wrong, but that's just some of the things that I question there. How do you weigh um, sort of, you know, when you go through, you watch tape, you see things, good or bad, and then it's sort of figuring out, okay, how big a, a piece is this of the puzzle? So Stroud is this really interesting prospect because in the Georgia game, he showed everything you want to see, right? Like he yeah. answered every single question, was phenomenal right. under pressure, did a bunch of the kind of late in the down or ad lib type of plays that isn't necessarily on his tape everywhere. If you yep. if you watch that game, you're like, oh, this is the number one QB in the draft, and we don't right. even have a conversation. Like it's not it's simple, but it, almost every other game, it's like the exact opposite. Like he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in this class in play under pressure certainly last year but even over the last couple of years so and it's we've been having this debate constantly like how much do you weigh that one game against you know the best competition at the biggest time versus the other stuff which is more but potentially less meaningful yeah, no, I, I hear you. Well, I think that's where you get into like, hey, look, there's a little bit of untapped potential. You know, that's where it is a little bit of a, yeah, the projection, piecing it together. You know, 
to go, okay, and then to your point, yeah, you don't see it on a regular basis in other games, but you see a smattering of it here and there to where you go, okay, wait, I, I think you could do this. I saw him make some nice moves in the Michigan game where I was like, oh, okay. You know, and there was some other game, Penn State game, where I just went, you know, again, it wasn't great pressure, but just a nice slide. Oh, we got out of trouble here, right? So there was there was little inklings here and there to where I went, oh, no, no, this guy can do this. This is just kind of like, hey, he hasn't had to do it a whole lot. You know, like he's at Ohio State. And like the Michigan thing, yeah, there's good players and you're protected pretty well. And a lot of times you don't have to do some of that stuff right there that you're talking about. But I do think it's in his game, and I think it's natural to him. I just think it needs to be brought out uh, of him a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that's where, you know, again, like here's one where I like uh, always jumps out to me that I, I talk about piecing things together. Like T. Higgins coming out in the draft a few years ago. He comes out, and there was a lot of talk about, ooh, can he run routes, and I don't know how good he is at getting out of breaks and all that. And it was hard to find film to see that, right? There was a few plays here and there. And you go, oh, okay, I see a little – but the thing that made me go, you know what, I think this guy's got it in him, is some of the moves and the way he ran with the ball in his hand. And I started to go, look, he's making cuts here. He's, somebody's just got to teach him a little bit how to do it in route running, and he's going to be able to do it. And, you know, you piece it, you, sometimes you piece it together like that and hope it works. Sometimes you're wrong, and that's where yeah. I wish I could meet the human because that's where the human can tell you, is he going to work? Is he really going to be invested in it? But – you know, that, that's you know, part of the process and, and what you do when you're guys like you and me. You try to piece that together. All right, going back to your, your QB rankings here. So you've got Stroud in tier, tier one as your top yeah. guy. And then Bryce Young in tier two as your second quarterback with Hendon Hooker as yeah. your third from Tennessee. So um, I'm seeing a lot more buzz for uh, Hendon Hooker right now, but I think you were one of the first to have him that high. Certainly to have Thank Hooker you. higher than Anthony Richardson, <laughs> higher than Will Levis. I so. appreciate you saying that because yeah, I, I did feel the same thing. Like nobody was talking about Hendon Hooker, and then I let out my rankings, and all of a sudden I started to see him. So I do appreciate you giving me a little love there. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just saying you're early. I know. I'm saying you're early. We might take Hendon the love Hooker. back by saying it's crazy. <laughs> so look, yeah. I mean, uh, people who listen, to our podcast, you know that all we've said is, man, how do you evaluate Tennessee quarterbacks, receivers, and offensive linemen in that offense? So right, what did you love right. about Hendon Hooker, and how do you separate his evaluation with what they do offensively? Yeah, no, it, it's it, I hear you. It's, there's some things there that you just go, well, this isn't life in the NFL. This doesn't make sense. These plays, these coverages, I hear you. But at the same time, again, that's where you get into the piecing it together. And one, all right, the physical attributes. Again, a big guy, to me, the best at throwing over the line of scrimmage with people in his face, maybe in the whole draft. That's what I loved about Hendon Hooker, right? And, and like C.J. Stroud, I think the movement is underrated when people talk about him. Man, does he have a lot of plays where people all around him and then he escapes and makes a good run or still makes a good throw where you go, damn, there's people at his feet, he can't really step into it, and he just muscles it in there. Now, hey, is it an ideal, like, oh, look at this play and this will be exactly the way it is in the NFL? No, I mean, you guys are right. But from what he's taught and what he's asked to do, I see a lot of good decisions and the ball going in the right place a lot. And, you know, that's where, again, meeting the guy, and if you know he's smart and works and whatever else, you're going to, okay, he can teach us. And I've got, just from watching film, I don't have any inclinations of thinking on film to go, oh, this guy's, you know, an idiot or he can't be taught or he doesn't understand what he's looking at. So, again, you're gleaning that together a little bit which I am, but 
you know, as I went through his film, I just went, damn, it's it's game after game of good decisions, appropriate throws. And, yeah, these some of the questions we have are not his fault. It's the offense, and, you know, we got to just kind of overcome that, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. So for a guy that sort of tends a little bit towards traits type of quarterbacks, why right. why do you have Anthony Richardson so low? What What is it that's turning you off about Richardson relative to guys like Hendon Hooker? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you, you're right. Like, it, Richardson, though, has crossed the line to me of, like, so raw that I think there's a little more of a risk there, right? Like, I look at Richardson and go, that's raw. I looked at Josh Allen and went, it's raw, but it's a different kind of raw. It was raw in, wait, you didn't, you, you can't fit that ball in there. Or, you know, wait, you, you're not going to be able, you know, it's the right decision, right? He's going through reads, but it's this guy's not open. Don't try to fit it in. With, with Richardson, and I didn't explain that the best there, there's more than that. It's not just like, oh, an errant, I tried to fit a ball into the tight window every now and then, or I'm running around behind the line of scrimmage with my hair on fire and just trying to make something happen. There's too many plays of like, and too many throws of like, whoa, this guy's wide open. You can't miss that. Or, yeah. whoa, whoa, wait, I know this play here. He should be looking over here, and he's looking over here, right? So that's where there's a little more rawness that overcomes the great attributes that I'm just not sure about. That's kind of what I was saying with my rankings. I like Richardson. He was less raw than I expected right? in a lot of ways. Um, but, yeah, there's still an element there that's a little bit unknown, at least in, in, in my opinion. I mean, that, that's the funny part about all of this stuff, right? And, and it's it's great. I mean, rankings are just a, just a list, right? And, and hearing the explanations are really the, the valuable part. Um, there are people who would just throw out Richardson's best throws and like, look, he's accurate, right? But it's like yeah. when you literally go through every single throw and you see them right. run the same pass concepts over and over at Florida. Over and over, yes, exactly right? right. And sometimes exactly. he reads it out and it's great, and other times it's like, that's the same. Why didn't you make the same throw? Or why did you exactly overthrow this right. one, right? That's what I'm saying. There's a little too much of that for me to go. And then some mechanical things with the throwing – that yeah. you know, I just can't go. Oh, it's definitely gonna work, and it's gonna it's gonna work and be good, right? Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, I felt comfortable with that. I felt like with the pieces, I could say that. This, I'm just like, oh, there's a little few things that I'm just not sure about. I know his running is special and his arm is special, like we we all see. But you're explaining it right. There's some of those things there where I just go, oh, I don't know. There's there's some work to be done there in that department. How, how do you how do you weigh the running part of it, right? Because obviously we talk about passing is the most important thing. That's what we're discussing the most here. When I'm looking at these quarterbacks, part of my analysis is like, if the team embraces Anthony Richardson as a runner, if they build the offense around him as a runner, it's going to create these open throws. It'll mitigate yes. some of those issues, yes. and he'll probably run for a thousand yards if they choose, <laughs> right? How right. do you weigh that in your rankings and your evaluation, knowing that some team could tap into the skill set far better than maybe a different team? Right. That that's where I mean that's a real part of this. And hey, you talk like you know the, the questions earlier that Sam had and all that. That's where maybe I've evolved, right? Even with Justin Fields, he worried me about the throwing and some of the stuff like that. But what I think I don't take I didn't take into enough account was. Wait, when they start to run him, it's going to make defenses very simple and it's going to allow him to grow as a passer. Now, the first year, I was like, what the hell are they doing? They're trying to make him Peyton Manning. I, the guy's got, you know, some of the greatest legs I've ever seen in my life. And then they started to run him this year and you started to see, whoa, okay, he can do that. 
So I think, Steve, to your point, like Richardson's running does make you feel a little bit better about some of the rawness stuff we're talking about, right? There's still issues there, and they still concern me. But the running is, like you're saying, if you do it the right way and have enough of that as a part of your offense, you guys know what's going to happen, right? Okay, wait. There's a, the ability to run the quarterback design runs and have the tailback and a pulling guard and be advantageous in the run game now leads to the most simple, bland coverages on the back end yep. to where now you can develop as a passer a little bit, right? I, I, I get a lot of heat on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, Jalen Hurts has benefited from that. That's sure, probably absolutely. where I was wrong on that, too. And and now he's continuing to develop and go in the right direction, and we're seeing the passing's getting better and better. So, you know, there, there is true value to that running, and if you're going to draft that guy, you're crazy not to use that as a part of your offense. You don't need to run him 20 times a game. You run him eight times a game, but the threat of the other 10, 12 times you might run them is going to benefit everybody else, and that's where the value of Anthony Richardson can come in. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it for a while on this show that that, that level of rushing threat, it buys you time to figure out yes. the passing stuff. Like, it, right. it just props the offense up and then lets you learn on the job and get better. Like, if, if Jalen Hurts wasn't able to do what he can do on the ground, he wouldn't have made it to the point where he could develop as a passer. He wouldn't have – he still wouldn't have been starting. Um, yeah. When, when I asked on Twitter, like, who everybody's favorite sleeper quarterback was, right, almost everybody replied with the same name. It was Dorian Thompson Robinson, the UCLA quarterback, who's right. in your tier four. He's up with these guys that everybody's talking about as the big four or the big five with Hendon Hooker in there. You have him in the same tier and joint, tied five uh, with yeah. Will Levis. So sell yeah. me on DTR. DTR was to me uh, one of the most pleasant surprises. Uh, I, 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 you know, during the season, NFL season, I watch college football, but I'm not sitting there all day, every day, watching every game, right? I mean, right. I got kids, I got a 16 year old, a 12 year old. A lot of times, Saturday's my only day off the whole year. So, yeah, I see maybe the big game of the day or whatever. So, I had a little feel for him, but man. I mean, I just turned it on and I just went, wait, I, I don't, I don't understand it. He's four inches taller than Bryce Young. He's faster than Bryce Young. His arm is stronger than Bryce Young. He runs a pro-style offense, and you get to see him make decisions and plays that way, not to the level Bryce Young does, but still. So I just I don't get it. I'm, I'm looking at lists and going, damn, he's like down to the bottom of the quarterback rankings here in some people's. So I was shocked by that. One, he has all the physical uh, skills to be a, a, a really good NFL starting quarterback. And then you get to see the quarterback stuff along with that. You know, like we talked about, he's got, a, he's got some different deliveries. He, to me, might have been arguably the slickest guy with the ball on screens and different arm angles compared to, other than Bryce Young, who was the best in that department. So that's where I really liked him. And I just, you know, I didn't understand that. I didn't. And, you know, I'm not a huge Will Levis fan. Uh, as you could tell, maybe right. as compared to the rest of the world, I thought DTR, yeah, his arm's not as strong and he's not as big, but he's a much better player at the position, I thought, than Will Levis. And I just thought he needed to be in, in, in you know, the group of names there and the list there. And DTR took over for Cade, McCown, uh, Cade McNown. 
at UCLA. He's been there forever. Now he's started, he's been starting since 2018. I mean, I think that's I know, why right? that's why people sour on him a little bit, right? Because he was I think such so, a right. He was like a pretty good freshman who didn't always didn't really develop until maybe his final season, his fifth year starting at UCLA. And it's like a lot of times you're like, well, he's not that good. We saw him for four years. He's pretty good. We know what he is. Um, but then he did improve a little bit last year, at least at UCLA. Um, Will Levis, though. So why are you lower on Will Levis? What are your concerns, and how do you separate his 2021 being better than his last season at Kentucky? Yeah, well, I mean, hey, Sam, maybe this is another. That's another. Look at me. I'm adjusting. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm adjusting and getting away from big trait guys, right, a little bit, and just going like, I love his big arm. I love it. I do. I mean, damn, it's powerful. He's got a high ceiling. I understand that. He's a good athlete, you know. He's big and tough as hell. He is. But whether I go back to last year or this year, there's still too many decisions and throws where I just go, wait, you're too good to miss that throw or make that decision or be all over the place with releases and footwork and everything or floating in the pocket. And I'm going, the pocket's perfect. Or you're actually floating and going to get hit because you're doing that. You know, it's just that. There was a, a natural feel for the game that I felt like he misses a little bit, let alone, you know, a a mechanical thing in the throwing that I'm not sure is going to be fixed. And I've watched, you know, film, the combine, and the pro day, and I've still seen the issue there. What is There's it? There's a disconnect exactly. with how he hops under and gets his feet underneath him and hitch steps in certain throws. And then even like the combine or the the work the pro day workout too. You know, there's some throws where you go, whoa, and you look at it, and it flies off his hand, and it looks pretty, right? And you go, oh, my gosh. But then the receiver has to turn back or stop or slow down. You go, well, it wasn't really on rhythm and timing and quarterback either that way. And there's a lot of that, too. So, you know, again, I recognize the ceiling's high, but I do think he's got a guy that's got a, maybe a, a low floor, too, and there's some issues there that I don't think are easily fixed. And, uh, yeah, I guess I just couldn't buy into him like, like the rest of the crowd could. Yeah, to me, the biggest question with him is almost like, where are the big plays? For a guy with that kind of cannon for an arm, Agreed. He's, he's not – when you go looking for his tape, you expect to see a ton of – like you expect to see Jameis Winston almost, right? I hear you. A ton of big plays, a ton of bad mistakes. And, you know, somewhere in there is the quarterback you're going to be dealing with. And certainly last year you go through his tape and you're like, where are – these big plays like with that arm how can you not have more big plays in this in in your tape right right and then too to like steve's point with anthony richardson too and i think you probably realize this too sam you start to go wait you know i know he's smart but i don't I, there's parts of me that go football smart i'm not sure there's a lot of the same concepts you see all the time and i'm like i wrote question marks like is this the offense or is this him right because this is the second quarter and it's the fifth time i've seen this play already Right? Yeah. And agreed with you. It's not as many big throws and big plays as you would expect with what you hear and the attributes and everything like that. I was underwhelmed in that department. Quick. You know, there was even some of the big plays that happened. Like, oh, here's a deep post. I want to go, well, it was kind of underthrown. The guy jumped up and caught it. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, it was, a, you know, he threw the ball hard on a deep out, but the guy kind of turned around and then had to fall down as he was going out of bounds. There's that to where it's like, yeah, it looks pretty again, but the result should be better. And then I thought, too, you know, sidearm doesn't work. 
It's a very floppy release with his arm. His feet are all over like I talked about. And then there's just those plays that you guys know as a quarterback where, hey, it's not perfect and you're moving in the pocket and, hey, there's somebody open and you got a little room and he's open and, you know, just get it done. Your mechanics aren't going to be perfect, right? He never makes that throw. Never. Never. Where the other guys, I go, damn, they got like three or four in every game where you go, ooh, look at that. He's in a weird position. The guy was open. He just got it done and got it to him. And so that bothered me as well. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I get too swayed by those plays. I, that's what I love about, I think, Bryce Young the most. I think Bryce Young just has that natural football feel the Definitely. best. You know, and, and I'm trying to balance in today's NFL where so many there's there's a lot of schemed open throws in today's NFL versus when you were playing and years ago. Right. Um, but then you also have to have that natural playmaking ability. Sometimes personally, I skew too much toward that. And we, of course, Mahomes is the extreme example, but you have to have some of it. Right. You at least have to have yes. some of that element of, you know, to your game. Yeah. Um, no, that's where, you know, hey, like, you know, like, let's just say Tanner McKee. Right. From Stanford. <laughs> Our guy, our guy, Mike Renner, absolutely loves, loves Tanner McKee. I love Mike Renner as well, but I can't figure out why he loves him so much. Sorry, well, carry on. Well, like, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and listen, there's things I like too, you know. He's not my sixth or seventh or eighth best, you know, <laughs> yeah. somewhere, you know, down the line there. But, like, 20 years ago, he'd probably been looked at as a higher prospect. Yeah. yeah. But now, you know, no different arm releases, can't run, can't move. Like, that's just like a dying breed in the NFL. Right. Yeah, that'll work if you've got the best protection in football and you can do it that way, sure. But, you know, there's only two or three teams that are going to be able to develop, you know, deliver that. So, yeah, the, the league is changing and your point's real. And you just got to balance that out. That's my thing with Bryce Young, you know, Steve, to your point is the playmaking's amazing. Some of the, you know, wow releases and and just the feel for the game is off the charts but there are times where i go wait i don't know if this is actually hey um he's back there in the pocket seven yards behind the line of scrimmage he's got nobody around him for like five or six seconds now somebody comes free and he makes the guy miss and i want to go i don't know if he's ever going to have that space or room on, on some of these nfl teams Ian's, to make some of those plays so that's where i'm a little like not sure about him and some of that too it's awesome but there's some of it i go i don't know if it's totally gonna cross over to the nfl and i'll be interested to see how it goes i want to wrap this up by talking about um your wide receivers a little bit and specifically the one guy that we found that actually is maybe the most polarizing receiver in this draft is zay flowers who is your number one wide receiver and when we just did our wide receiver rankings on yesterday's show and he's the one guy that both of us were lower on than most people so i've okay. seen him kind of all over the map from a number one receiver the top guy on a list to we had him seventh i think each um so let me first say what we don't like or what i don't like sure. necessarily sure. about flowers and then i want you to make the counter argument to me um right. To me, I was, I'm kind of worried that I don't know that he can be more than like a gimmick slot receiver at the next level, right? He feels like a guy that's super springy, bouncy, athletic, like a great athlete, um, but gets stuck on contact during routes, you know, can't necessarily defeat physical coverage. I don't know that he has the greatest feel in the world for kind of zone coverage for um, where to be at the right time. And he sort of reminded me a lot of, remember Dante Hall playing receiver, not the punt return version, but like when the Chiefs tried to make him into a slot receiver to get some use out of that guy in the offense. 
I, I know that the league has moved on since that point, and even Dante Hall now doing that job would be better than he was then. Yeah, but, right, like, right. if that's where you're starting from, I kind of wonder just how good that guy can be. Well, I know. See, so I, I think those guys, and again, you know, that offense up there, certainly not the specialist, right. or there's certainly not special. Some of the quarterback play, not special. You know, I think he's got put gotten put in some positions in some of those plays or, you know, some of the things you talk about where I go, eh, it's going to be few and far between where he's going to be put in that spot in the NFL, right? They know how to use those type of guys. I just came away. Listen, I know he's smaller, but I came away going, I'm not as, I'm not as worried. I know he's not going to make a living jumping, you know, 50-50 balls and always winning that. And, yeah, there's some bigger corners that can give him some problems every now and then. That, that happens. You know, I saw Antonio Brown have issues with some bigger corners every now and then, too. But, like, all in all, I just thought, man, the route running, the explosiveness, the ability to come in and out of breaks, and the weapon thing, you know, I'm a little more into that, the weapon thing. That, to me, is the way the NFL is right now. And I looked at him and went, I don't know, I felt like I was going, this is, this is Jalen Waddle-ish, in my opinion. You know, I just don't know if the field was quite as open for him as it was for Waddle in Alabama when he had <laughs> to worry about everybody else. Right. So, yeah, the slot receiver weapon thing, that's what I do think he is. But I think there's a more of an element of, like, route running and strength that I thought translated even better than Waddle in that department, you know, to the NFL. Now, I don't, you know, I don't, Waddle was pretty special in the open field. I think Zay Flowers is, too. Maybe not to that degree. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of looked at him as a Waddle or a more polished Kadarius Tony type right. of guy, to your point. And I, I think there's, you know, I'm, I'm in love with those kind of guys in the NFL right now. Yeah, and that's what we always end up saying with receivers. It's what what flavor do you like? What yeah, do you it's weigh? Tough. I know. We might all right. come to similar conclusions as far as what the player is, but how do you value those various things, you know, so – um, anyway, Chris, we're going to let you get out of here because uh, you've been very generous with your time. We appreciate having you. And uh, tell everybody where you're, you're going through all these rankings on your podcast right now, yeah? Yep. Yeah, that's, that's Chris Sims Unbuttoned. That's that's the podcast. I'm, I'm like you guys. I mean, I'm in the weeds. I mean, it's it's football. It's all football, and that's all it is. And, you know, of course, I'm a little I'm, – I'm part Irish like Sam, so I'm a fucking crazy Irish guy too. <laughs> I, got it, I got it all going on. But, yeah, Chris Sims Unbuttoned, my podcast, you know, every morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, me and Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk. Uh, that's where you find me, and that's where you'll see me talking about some of this stuff. Unbuttoned because you never unbutton your top button. There's I no never way unbutton my top button, but a... the man, my my mouth fucking unbuttons to a degree <laughs> that you've never seen before oh, on unbuttoned. So I'm bringing it's a little the bit full, of a play on words. I'm bringing the full <laughs> counterweight, though, to Chris today. He's full buttoned up. I've got to unbutton this even further it's just good. to make sure like we're in it. the balance. I like you know? it. Well you got the butterfly collar working, and you're, yeah, you're... <laughs> You got a thicker neck than me, too, so you're, you, you look better like that than I do. I, I love a good double entendre, too, Chris. So Chris, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Go check out the podcast and uh, listen to him and Florio and everything. So thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. We'll have to do it again hey, sometime. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Be good. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take it easy. See you.